Hello, good morning, good afternoon or good evening whenever you have chosen to listen to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and of course, as ever, Julian Evans. Coming up, one of my all-time favourite military sporting characters, Nick DeLong, speaks to us here on Forces Sport, our first football-related interview and what a good one it is too. I played for a non-league team and there was a soldier there said, ding dong, as everyone would know me, you need to get yourself in the British Army. I went to join the British Army and the guy in the careers office said to me, don't join the army, mate. Get yourself upstairs to the Air Force because you'll have a better life. And, and, that, and that literally was as simple as that, making that decision. Uh, as a former UCAF manager now, you know, I'd be politically and say, look, all free services offer great, great opportunities. He's so diplomatic. I think that's what's made him good at his job, Jules. Um, you've seen Nick play back in his day before he sort of went into the coaching role. Um, could you see potential there, something special about him? You're testing my grey brain cells there. Uh, yes, it, it, let me, I've got to work my way back. Very committed, very honest player. And as you say, those are the characteristics that you want in a successful team. And uh, he emulated what he was as a guy with his teams on the pitch and a very successful UK Armed Forces team they were too with all that Kentish Cup success. So great to see him staying in football, very hard to work in professional football, as we've seen over the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, what I, I know that it's a, it's a totally different level to premiership football, but what Nick brings out in his players shows that commitment and dedication to them as individuals, which perhaps we don't always see at premiership level. I don't claim to have been inside those dressing rooms. But when they talk about losing the team, Nick DeLong never did that. Moving quickly on to some forces sport that's um, happened quickly over the last couple of days. We had the four-man bobsleigh win silver at the World Cup in Austria. Brad Hall, who's the driver, had Greg Cackett and military men Taylor Lawrence and Nick Gleeson um, behind him. It's the first career medals for Gleeson and Taylor, both military men, a Royal Marine and, of course, a para. And um, that's the first World Cup race of the season. And it comes at the right time because they've, they're now obviously building towards the Olympics. So really, really good to see out there in Austria. With the build-up to... The games in China uh, next is it next February? It is next yes. February, isn't it? I mean, that's that's a, you know a real confidence booster for them. So we'll keep an eye on them as the season develops. And you've got some. Um, I I mean, I, I I struggle to say breaking news, but some very good sport forces sport line that's come out um, earlier this morning. Well, we will be talking rugby very shortly, but. I understand that Bethan Dainton, Lance Bombardier, Bethan Dainton from the Royal Artillery, has been called up into the women's into the women barbarians team for this weekend. So that's fantastic. She's been with the Wales camp, hasn't played. I bumped into her on Saturday. A little bit of a frustrated figure as she walked around Cardiff. Couldn't even <laughs> sample the uh, the stuff that was flowing from from the from the beer taps. Uh, but she she's been supporting her team. Uh, she's been part of the setup in Wales. But her hard work has been recognised because she's been called up into the women's bar bars team. So, yeah, fantastic for her. Great. And so they'll be play facing the Spur, you know, Springboks, won't they? Yeah, so really good for, for Bethan because she has been a part of Wales' very successful sevens team, uh, which is beginning, is burgeoning, I would say, rather than successful. But they're coming together. And she's an exciting player. She plays at Harlequins, so she won uh, the Prems last year, with, or last season with Quinns. So really good for her. Really good for military sport as well, to have you know, a military athlete recognised by that invitational side, the Barbarians. So that's quality news.
There's been a lot happening this week, mainly because awards season has started, as they say in the biz. Of course, all three services... Do they say were... that in the biz? <laughs> I'm reliably informed they say in the biz. In the of biz. course, all three services were unable to hold sports awards ceremonies in 2020, so it's extra special to see the Army and the RAF being able to celebrate their sporting stars this week. On Thursday night, we live-streamed the Army Sports Awards from Sandhurst, and probably the biggest winner of the night was Olympic boxing bronze medalist Karis Artingstall. Now, she was at the awards with her partner, Lauren Price, who won gold for Team B- Team GB in Tokyo. But Karis told me that she felt she now got one up on Lauren by bagging the Army Sportswoman of the Year. I was still kind of suffering within myself to get bronze. Obviously, I went out there with the full intention of getting gold. That didn't happen, so it was a bit sore. But I suppose I had a few days to let that sink in and that I healed because I won bronze before she even boxed for her first fight. So it was like she, she had a long wait. But yeah, by the time she won gold, I was over the moon. That kind of, it healed the wounds a little bit to see her win gold. But now we've come home, we've both won medals. So it's, it's a phenomenal achievement in itself to win an Olympic medal. So I'm, I can kind of let her have her moment with a gold medal. Do you know what? Um, I, I expect winning a medal is pretty life-changing, but I'd never met Karis before. You, of course, have had many conversations with her, as I mm. as I know um, other members of the sports team. But that was my first meeting of her, and not what well, I was a bit sort of starstruck just because she also won a medal. But she spoke so well. I think she's got this huge confidence that's come from getting this bronze medal and and doing it by completely being herself. It was a really really good meet, good to meet her. Did she hint at whether she and Lauren are going to stay on the GB programme or because Lauren's thinking of turning professional, isn't she? But I don't know. I don't know what Karis will do. Will she stay? The only thing she mentioned was that the the boxing gym in Sheffield is really quiet at the moment because a lot of people have gone professional. But she was reassured at the same time that if she chose to do that, they actually would keep supporting her because although obviously you can't box at an Olympic level, I think the resources are so vital and so good. Um, they would sort of support her through that transition. But there wasn't any kind of mention of whether Lauren or um, possibly Karis. not Karis at this stage. But no, um, I think it's too early. For, I think it's too early for Karis. But Lauren maybe, yeah, maybe turn pro. We'll have we, to keep we, an eye on might. that. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Now it's worth going to forces.net or the Forces News Facebook page to see full, full interviews with Karis as she talks about how her life is so different now. She's got the medal. Other winners included Corporal Simon Horsfield for Army Sportsman of the Year, Army Women's Rugby League who won Team of the Year, Rifleman Gary Young won Army Rising Star and Sergeant Will Nichols was named Army Sports Official of the Year. Elsewhere, it was the RAF Sports Awards at Halton last Tuesday. Martial Arts competitor Jonathan Mafflin won the Sportsman of the Year Award. Uh, shock, to be honest. Um, as I said, the, the other uh, nominees had such amazing uh, sheets as far as their achievements and um, you know like it's really hard to compare yourself but yeah I honestly thought one of the others would win it I'm, I'm kind of just overjoyed to be honest I had a long happy career in jiu-jitsu and this has kind of been a bit of a cherry on the cake really I'm, um, I'm, I feel like I'm rolling off a shopping list here, but they, they, have, they have to be mentioned. The Sportswoman of the Year, um, the RAF Sportswoman of the Year is para-alpine skier, senior aircraftswoman Shona Brownlee. Team of the Year went to the boat and sea angling team who retained their inter-services title for the 14th successive year, whilst Luke Hilton won the Sports Administrator of the Year award 
Sergeant Kevin Sornby was rewarded for his work with RAF football referees with the Coach Official of the Year title. Now, we are going to talk a bit more rugby. Um, the UK Armed Forces had their remembrance fixture at Gloucester's King Home Stadium this week. We're not forgetting that the Navy will be holding their sports awards at the beginning of December as well at Lord's. So we look forward to hearing their diversity as well and actually talking about um, the Royal Navy and completely off kilter here. But it was lovely to see Pete Reid got married at the weekend. Did he? He did triple gold, triple Olympic gold medalist Pete. I Reed. didn't. I didn't hear I that. I think he's keeping it well. I mean, he kept it quiet in that I follow him on Instagram. So I was, I was doing a bit of stalking, and I saw that on Friday he tied she's, the knot. She's always stalking. Does that mean you're? Congratulations, ta- Pete. You Let's get away take, from my stalking tendencies. Do you, yeah. Do you please? have to take the posters of him down now? <laughs> no. No. Leave just, them up. Maybe just the little photo by my bedside. I'm not in sure. In her purse wallet. I'm allowed to have a triple gold Olympic medalist on my bedside table surely picture <laughs> just a picture <laughs> yeah just just feed him <laughs> not, not permanent a, fixture through a hatch come on Peter. now come on Jules I want to get back to um, mm. the remembrance fixture at Gloucester's King Home yes. Stadium this week saw the UK Armed Forces senior men convincingly beat a rugby for heroes select 15 which had many ex-internationals in its side the military side scored 10 tries for a 62-33 victory Royal Marine Jared Haler was named man of the match yeah, I think I'm really lucky. Uh, I come from a sort of a, a military background. My dad's army, my girlfriend's army, uh, her dad is army, my granddad's navy and other granddad's air force. So I'm really, really lucky that I've come from a military background. Um, and, and this game to me, obviously, um, like Remembrance Day and the lads who have given their lives for us to play on this beautiful pitch today, we're so lucky. So it's just luck and I'm just thankful that we've got a, 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 a chance to play on this pitch today, which is nice. Always nice to commentate on a match with so many scores because it gives you a lot more to talk about. But oh, did you run out of fingers? <laughs> How do you, you keep? No, I just meant keeping score. I mean, that's. Yeah. Uh, we struggle with the score because a couple of times the uh, well in the first half our feed didn't have any scores. So although we had the scores at the ground the people watching on our forces news facebook page unfortunately couldn't see the score but the reliable as ever john knighton was on hand to um, keep them updated that then got replaced in the second half we had the scores up on the feed as well but then the scoreboard was a bit slow possibly because it was absolutely freezing. well it's ever, ever turning i should think with, with that amount <laughs> yes that amount well of it's counting games. the tries i can keep count of it's whether you then get the conversions over and how many penalties and all the rest of it but yeah very convincing 62 33 victory and um finally Jules more rugby from you and a win for the army under 23s oh it's a nail biter at Aldershot the first time in a couple of seasons that inter-services rugby has been staged in Aldershot following the week before's fixture between the Royal Navy and the army the army won that one so if the RAF could unhinge the army then then it meant that the tournament would last an extra week however despite racing into a rather convincing 23-10 lead at half time the royal air force could not hold on to that lead and the army came back with the, probably you know the greatest comeback certainly in, in recent under 23 history uh, with the last kick of the game so, so uh, fantastic for them to, to snatch victory well done to them but of course there is that last fixture to go so hopefully people go watch absolutely and we'll just hear from trooper levi roper on the um, on the game and the army's win oh it's absolutely outstanding i'm so proud of the boys it's unreal i'm so happy for the army to be lifting them trophies and we'll go again hopefully the seniors pull it through as well 
Yeah, as you mentioned, Jules, um, the tournament does continue. The RAF will, will face the Royal Navy this week on Wednesday. Um, but it's yeah, a void match, that's a, that's but still playing a, for pride, I guess. Well, that's at Whitney. So you can go and cheer on your team. See the future. I'll tell you what, the future in forces rugby is very bright. If, by judging by that fixture, anything is to go by. The RF, unlucky. Uh, they, they played some really, really super rugby. But well done to the army. Now, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to see more from these athletes and the games they're involved in, please visit forces.net or you can see the highlights on the BFBS Sports Show YouTube channel. You're listening to Forces Sport on BFBS with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. Now it's time for Ding Dong, a very recognisable name and face in Forces football. He starts by describing how it was he ended up joining up. The stats don't lie. There's very small cohort of players actually progress through the system so our responsibility as a football club is is more really to 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 create a really good human being you know with support of mum and dad hopefully extract the talent to get those boys for the system and, and have a career in the game but if the majority of them are not going to have a career then we need to help them prepare them for you know other other elements of life so in regards to the armed forces look i, I played for a non-league team and there was a soldier there it said Ding dong, as everyone would know me, you need to get yourself in the British Army. I went to join the British Army and the guy in the careers office said to me, don't join the Army, mate, get yourself upstairs to the Air Force because you'll have a better life. And, and, that, and that literally was as simple as that, making that decision. Uh, as a former UCAF manager now, you know, I'd be politically and say, look, all free services offer great, great opportunities. But no, look, from the forces point of view, we will, you know, as an armed forces, speak to young footballers. And there's loads of good projects going on around the country. But, but it's just making opportunities or making the boys aware there are other opportunities in life and that although this moment in their life feels like it should define them, it won't. You know, it's just a moment in life and you've got a whole lifetime to experience many other things other than football, you know, regardless of success or, or a lack of success. So, Well, it's, it's funny you should bring that up because a lot of the athletes we've spoken to during this podcast and during our, you know, 10, 10 20 years with, with British Forces is... They talk about the fact that when they play for an elite club, they bring a lot more life experience, having been in the forces, than most of their peers at that club. And, and I wonder how much of what you're bringing to Bristol Rovers at the moment you learnt through being in the Royal Air Force. Yeah, I, I, I have a, my, my, sort of my boss, the academy manager, Chris Hargreaves, often says, when I was at Berry, you were in Bangkok. And then like, you sort of laugh and think, what experiences? Not a lad's tour. No, not a lad's tour. No, playing football for the Air Force, actually. Yeah, playing football for the Air Force against the Thai, the Thai Royal Air Force. And then like, I, I speak to my wife and speak to my mum and say, what, you know, what was such a disappointment at a young age for me personally to, like, to be such a positive? And yeah, look, you don't want to be coming in every day talking about your life experience. But I do feel fortunate that I can hopefully and do provide. I, I know I do because you know the, the, the boys give that feedback. Just a slightly different angle to the to life journey, you know. And if people ask, you share share the odd story with them, and some laugh and some also sort of stand in disbelief. But you know, I think as, as as older people now, you have that duty to share a little bit of your life story, hoping that it, you know someone connects with that and it may help them along their journey along the way. Yeah, just to compare and contrast. Royal Air Force athlete Josh McNally has been made the skipper of Bath Rugby Club because of his background. That certainly helped. He's a corporal in the Royal Air Force and his life experience has helped him. When it comes to football, what are you looking for, for for a leader on the pitch? Because many of those guys, girls on the pitch as skippers won't have had that life experience behind them. What do you look for when you're, when you're appointing a captain? Well, look, if I look back over my UCAF years and Royal Air Force years as a coach, you know, you want someone who, who reflects you. 
you know they don't need to be you of course but they need to reflect what your you and your team are about so strength and character someone who's able to deliver instruction on your behalf someone who can listen to your instruction or your backroom staff's instruction someone who makes decisions without relying on you someone who's willing to put their body on the line in a, in a physical football sense and probably not too far from josh you know i don't know josh but as, a, as an airman to see him at Bath, which is just down the road from us, I'm very proud, very proud. And that there is a crossover in, in leadership requirements in, from sports to the military. And, you know, that, that would be it really, Jules, someone who reflects, you know, what your team and what your core values are. You were very keen during your tenure as UK Armed Forces coach to, I think you, you picked it up at a time when possibly the, the combined service team was lacking a bit of luster. A lot of the players were happy to play for their single service, but didn't love playing for UK Armed Forces. How, where, where did that come from? Where did you, what did you see that made you think like that? And what, well, we all know what you did and you've made them into the, you know, the team, not individually, but you made them into the team they are today. But what could you see and how could you see yourself improving that with them? I will say, so, so I, in both senior roles I took with the Air Force and with, with UCAF, it was combined services it was then, both the, 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 the managers at the time and the head coach at the time, so warrant officer Keith Christie who sadly passed away, and uh, Basher Bates, Major Basher Bates who we all know well, they both asked me to come in. So they were looking at an exit plan, you know, a, a legacy. And Bash was great. Bash had said, look, Nick, come in. You coach the team while I'm still in position. You know, that year we won the, we won the uh, Kentish Cup and I was really proud to go into an army backroom staff in essence and to be made to feel welcome and almost get a, a chance to look inside the environment before I took over. What I would say is my mantra was this, you know, I'd worked at Defence Medical Rehab Centre Headley Court and what I'd soon realised as a young man, no matter what cap badge, what service, we're all the same. So yeah, you work on behalf of the mission you're, you know, you're, de you're delivering, but actually we're all the same. So going into UCAF, that mantra of three teams in one was, was my drive because it was the union flag you represent. And of course, your unit, your core, but ultimately you're perceived as British. And, 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 and that for me was the, the join up factor, the glue that, that allowed us to be successful because the boys and the staff really bought into it. Yeah, you certainly galvanised the UCAF badge, if you like. So what's it like preparing a UCAF team for perhaps the biggest fixture they play in the Kentish Cup? Uh, quite emotional because it's, it's different maybe perhaps to, to the routine of every Saturday. It was personal because we represent our country, you know, and we always spoke about international representation is only gifted to a few. Uh, really personal because we'd cre created such a group of, of young men who was in belief of each other. And, you know, when you, when you hear the national anthem, and you hear the opposition's national anthem was just as is just as empowering to you as a, as, a, as a league coach it was special and you know I, I through covid we had all a lot of time to think and i'm so grateful in my life that i've had that chance to lead a team that represents you know united kingdom and yeah that that, that would sum up really jules your own footballing journey has gone full circle then because you find yourself back here at bristol rose a club that's got fantastic military pedigree i'm thinking of the likes of tom broadbent probably the last Forces player, certainly to, to turn professional, but there are one or two others that have been involved at Bristol Rovers as well, aren't there? Well, there's a little story. So I can remember going with, I was a YTS at the time, playing in the reserves against Tottenham Hotspur, which, which was full. So you're probably talking 96, full of uh, boys who played in the 94 World Cup. So we were on a coach up the M4 to play at Spurs. You know, I was a young, young puppy such, and we stopped it. Uh, somewhere along the M4 to pick up a guy called Steve Barry. Steve Barry was a serving soldier in the British Army. Steve jumped on the bus. He was a Newcastle lad. Uh, up we went to Spurs. I think we lost two or three. One, the likes of Sol Campbell were playing out at Torsfit, uh, Dimitrescu and, and so on. 
Steve jumped in, you know, played. I spoke with Steve on the way back and I remember a Land Rover dropping Steve off and picking Steve up. You know, and Steve ended up getting a contract at the club and going on having a good football league career. So, so at the time, I would never anticipated a career in the forces, but that was somewhere in my mind that in the army or the air force or the navy, people play football. So, on application, post exit from Bristol Rose, which was a real part of my life at the time, it was a natural, probably a natural move because I was so hungry for life to join the armed forces. It just so happened it wasn't the army, it ended up being the, the RAF. Tom wouldn't mind me saying this, as, as the group of defenders that were there, it's the 2016 Kentish Cup. Tom probably wasn't the best player, but for me had the most growth and potential. So yeah, Tom had said to me, Nick or Gaffer as well, I, I want to be a professional footballer. Nothing's off limits, you know. There are one or two boys who maybe will never be professional footballers, but definitely for Tom, it was an option. Did I anticipate it being Bristol Rovers at the time? No. But, but once there was a little bit of interest and, you know, I'm lucky to still have connections within the city. I spoke with a friend of mine or, you know, and, and we connected to an agent who's a friend of mine as well and, and got Tom an opportunity to come down here. And, you know, Tom done well in his trial. I think he ended up playing maybe 30 league games for the club before he moved on to Swindon. You know, he's now at Eastleigh and, and, and great. Tom was a bombardier, wasn't he? Royal Artillery. So, so, you know, would Tom still want to be in the army? Maybe not. But did, did Tom do well through the army? Yes, he did. And then he's gone on to, you know, he's sustained, a net, I think it's five years now, maybe five, five years as a professional footballer. You know, long may that continue yeah. for Tom. Is there a sense of satisfaction from, from perhaps you and, uh, and your others in the military seeing somebody go on and, and make a professional career in football? Because it can't be easy. You have a lot of people coming the other way, like you did, yes. from pro football to the military, but not many going back. Yeah, look, we, we, we really did enjoy that at the time. It was, it was special. It was special to, to, to make sure there was, for credibility reasons, a pathway through the armed forces back into the pro game because Tom had been rejected as a, young, as a youngster. But if I'm honest, just as much as that is really important, I feel as much pleasure from boys who've played for me who now still drop me a text and say, ding dong or gaffer, how are you? You know, how's the family? Because you've, like, I've been very lucky 99% of the boys who've been in my cohort have ran through walls for me in a, in, a, in a footballing sense. So Tom's great, Tom is great, but all those lads who've played for me have been part of an amazing journey of fun, you know, success. The, the occasional, you know, crazy night out is, you know, is someone to, uh, you know, attest to, and just yeah, really like part of the life story, I suppose. The infectious character that is Ding Dong Nick DeLong. And I imagine that Bristol Academy will be delighted, Bristol Rovers Academy will be delighted to have him at the memorial ground. And we look forward to seeing the players that come through with him guiding them, um, hopefully to success on the pitch. What a guy. He really is. Um, you know, I got a call from him a few years ago when he took on the job of the UK Armed Forces football side and they they weren't in trouble they just they just was a like I said it was a bit lackluster and he really wanted to bring them in and have that mantra three teams as one and I remember getting that call as a friend and he's like look you know we need funding we need this we need that um can you help and I was like I'll come along with my camera and see what I can do and here we are so five six years later and different Pierce has taken over you know a very successful side I mean the reason we spoke to Nick Jules is because we were wanting to look ahead to the Kentish Cup which was supposed to start in in early December um, here in the UK but unfortunately due to Covid restrictions the Dutch team are not able to make it over so that has been postponed again um, but yeah it, he is like you say he is infectious and um, I hope as 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 I went on to say, you know, I hope that in 20 years time, he's still getting those phone calls from the lads because um, they see him as such a mentor. And, you know, he continues to look after people even after he's left the military. And not just in a footballing sense, he's just a life 
experienced mentor as well. He's got he does have an encyclopedic knowledge of the game. And if football is your thing, I highly recommend that you go to our BFBS Sports Show on YouTube and spend a little bit of time listening to what Nick has to say in depth because he is a great guy and a very good listen. And uh, a segue into the fact that Nick, you know, he may go on further in the game of uh, professional football. We don't know where he's going to go from Bristol Rovers or if he chooses to stay there for for the rest of his career. But it's hard at the top. And uh, one man who knows that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who after months of speculation has finally left Manchester United. Uh, well, left or shown the door, but well, I, I can, they actually said those words, they, didn't they? Yeah, I, do you know what? You know, a lot of uh, heart on the sleeve sort of um, mantra coming from Manchester United. They wanted to stick by one of their own, and he truly is one of their own. And there was a huge disconnect when Jose Mourinho was in charge with Manchester United. A huge disconnect between. The fans, the loyal Manchester United fans, all the way down from Guildford in Surrey, all the way back up to the to the loyal ones in, in Manchester themselves. But there's a huge disconnect between those fans and the management. And he's reconnected them. Unfortunately, what he couldn't do was connect the players on the pitch. Um, and his, his, I would say, at best, stuttering. He had had a fantastic honeymoon period when he started. I think it was 12 games on the trot, 12 victories, almost put them in within touching distance of qualifying for the Champions League. But then they suffered a slump in form and they haven't really ever got going. And with all the players at his disposal, you would expect them to be really challenging. And that hasn't happened. So uh, long, uh, I'd say long overdue. They've been very loyal, Manchester United. Yes, um, and um, it, we don't want to speculate too much on who's going to come in as an interim interim manager or who could be taking over next summer because I know that things will change in the next couple of hours. But it, what struck home to me was after that 4-1 defeat to Watford, De Gea saying it was the lowest point of his career. And for a player to say that, yes, after a huge defeat, but you know, there's, it's just not happening for the players on the pitch and that's why something had to change. But um, good good results for new managers in the um in the Premiership, Gerard got his win for Villa. Um, Steven Gerrard, also, yeah. Dean yeah, Smith, yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, Newcastle got a draw, but Eddie Howe couldn't be there because he's isolating with COVID. So, um, but, you know, it, good signs and um, the Yeah, Newcastle still operating along. that you score, we score policy. So, yeah. um, I don't know how <laughs> They're long They're conceding too up. many. I think we all, we all know that. But the, the, um, the interesting thing was north of the border in Scotland, Gianni Van Bronckhorst did not get the win with Rangers. They were undone by Hibs 3-1 in, in the Scottish League Cup. So, um, yes. some work to do for Mr. Von Bronckhorst there. Well, look, I don't want to um, talk too much about... I think we've, we've had quite a rugby show, rugby-heavy show this week, but the clean sweep pretty much for the home nations was brilliant. But it was great to see France beating New Zealand 40 points to 25. Um, they are looking so good ahead of the Home World Cup in 2023. They'd previously, previously not beaten the All Blacks at the Stade de France since 1973. And it's the first time the All Blacks have lost two successive games for only the third time in a decade. And of course, this sets up France facing New Zealand at the Stade de France in the opening game of the 2023 World Cup. So for me, that was just a sort of... I know that's a long way off already and a lot could happen in, in two years. But for me, that was um, the defining moment of the weekend. Fantastic performance by them. I wonder how much of it is down to Sean Edwards, of course, who had a very successful stint with Wales, helped them punch well above their weight in their Six Nations success over the years. But now he's turned things around 
for France, who were always very good going forward, but now they look so solid in defence, and that's where Sean Edwards' experience is really coming to the fore. Um, Ireland looking very good. They comfortably beat Argentina on Sunday, didn't they? As you say, you were at Twickenham on Saturday to cheer on England. (laughs) I had the fortune of being in Cardiff to cheer on Wales. So it all bodes well for quite an exciting Six Nations. I say quite exciting. Well... I, I think some teams uh, this autumn series have perhaps been papering over the cracks. That's notwithstanding the fact that there have been so many injuries for teams this year, but there are some teams that have a, a slightly bigger strength in depth to call upon than others. So we shall have to see what happens. Well, I'll tell you what, there was a lot of cheering from me on Saturday, but there was also a lot of hiding under the chair in front of me. It was nail-biting stuff, but um, brilliant to see a full Twickenham stadium again. Well, look, Jules, we've really run out of time as as far as looking ahead. It is quite it is quietening down this time of year. Like I said, the under twenty threes will um, the under twenty threes rugby will finish this week um, with the RAF facing the Royal Navy. But of course, that has already been decided with the Army winning that competition. And the Royal Navy will have their sports awards coming up on the seventh of November. We've also got some live football coming up. In the next couple of weeks, but at the moment I can't confirm when and who. There's, it's a very ever-changing situation. But please do let us know if you have anything on the horizon that you want us to cover. You can reach us at forcesport at bfbs.com. We welcome any suggestions for people you want to hear on the show. We welcome any diary entries that we have completely missed out. But um, you can get in touch, like I said, at forcesport at bfbs.com. And please listen again, or you can check out our other conversations with your armed forces sporting stars. You can find them all by searching for forcesport at bfbs.com slash podcast or on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always catch up with the latest news and sport at forces.net. We've completely run out of time. We look forward to hearing you from you next week. For now, it's goodbye from me, Jules, and goodbye from you. Hold up. 